I'm going to go to Luke chapter 11. chapter 11 and verse 1. <clears throat> Luke 11, 1. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased and one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And this morning, I want to take a few minutes to examine the prayer life of Jesus. It says he was in a certain place praying, and then one of his disciples came to him and said, teach us. <clears throat> they must have noticed something about the prayer life of Jesus, and we will look at again at some of the details of that. But they were seeing all the things that we're going to mention today, and a lot more than that. A few details are written about the prayer life of Jesus, but there's a lot more that is not mentioned. But it says he was in a certain place praying, and when he stopped, they wanted to teach us to pray. And he taught him the Our Father, and he taught him after that the story, the parable about persisting in prayer. Uh, and and uh, it says because of his persistence, he gave him as much as he needed. So Jesus taught them a parable about persisting in prayer. In Luke 18, Jesus taught the parable of the persistent widow. And he, taught, he said that we should pray always and not faint or give up. As we read in Hebrews, that we will reap if we don't give up, if we don't faint in prayer. We don't lose faith. We don't lose hope. And that can be a real problem. It is a, it is a struggle that we must all fight through to not give up, lose hope, and lose faith in the things we're praying for. Yeah, I've been praying for that a long time. Uh, you know, and I put a little white flag there. Jesus said, don't give up. We will reap. We will have answers to our prayers if we don't give up. Hmm. Um, and finally, he says in the same passage in Matthew, he says, uh, you know how to give good gifts to your children. He says, if your children ask you for food, you won't give them a rock or a snake or stuff like that. He says, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to them who ask for it? So, the encouragement that he gives us in prayer as he teaches us to pray. He teaches us, as he teaches us to pray, he teaches us to not give up and to persist in a, and, and be bold in it. The word that says here, persistence or importunity, can also mean boldness. Boldness and persistence in prayer. <clears throat> so the next one I want to look at is in Matthew 14. Verse 
I'm going to go through some of these, just go through the different Gospels and just take a look at some of these details. Matthew 14, 23. And when he had sent away the multitude away, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Mentions in the verse before that, his disciples also went into the boat to go to the other side. So, it says that he went up to the mountain to pray by himself. And so, we... In a regular day, daily life, we don't really have a lot of opportunity to go up into a mountain to pray. But there's still something to learn from this. You see that there was a crowd here he was serving and ministering to, preaching and healing and all the other things that he does. He fed the multitude, the, the, the loaves and the fishes and all the other things. And he sent them away, he sent his disciples away, He sent every, and he withdrew up into a mountain to pray. And so... Even though Jesus was not a married man and he didn't have any physical children, uh, he didn't have those kind of responsibilities, you see that he was, and we'll see more of this, that he was constantly in demand. And that's something that we can relate with that Jesus went through in his life. That there was this constant demand in his life. When you have the ability to heal and to cast out demons and to you know, make people, blind people see, and here, you're going to draw a crowd. And in order to, in order to uh, have any time to pray, you've got to get away from that. You know? So we can relate to that because we're all busy in our lives. Whether we're, we're, taking care, we're, we're house, a housewife taking care of a mother, taking care of children, or a man at work, or running a business, or whatever it is we're doing. That You see that we have that need too. Sometimes we can get into our mind, well, Jesus and the apostles were special, so they lived a special kind of life. And in some aspects that might be true, but many aspects, Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He said that to his disciples. It says in the scriptures that he who follows me will not be in darkness. And we, don't, we can't physically follow, we don't see Jesus physically to follow him in that way. But So what does it mean when he says follow him? It means to follow his teachings, his way of life, and, this, and, and the things that he commands us. And so we see his way of life, and this is one of the details of his life that should be very important to us. And so we see Jesus withdraw from crowd and responsibility for a time. And it says he's praying. And it says, he, he went up by, on the mountain by himself to pray. You see, Son of God, God and the Son, the second person of the Trinity, needed to pray to the Father. God the Son praying to God the Father. And we need to too. If, if he And we're following his life and his manners, his way of life. And we see that. 
And for us, he says, when you pray, he says, go you know, into your closet or to your private place. He said, into your secret, in your, you know, into a closed room or a private place. You know, maybe you have a, you know, in the bedroom or in a closet or in the basement or out in the tool shed. Wherever, wherever that place is or those places are. Withdrawal, he says, and God who sees you in secret will reward you openly. There is a reward out of Jesus' own mouth. He, he promised his word. He gave us his word that if we would pray in secret that he would reward us openly. So we should take heed to that. But there is, there is an end to this. There is blessing and help in seeking God in prayer. I remember hearing people say, yeah, I, I work on a golf course, so it's kind of one that I relate to. People say, oh, yeah, I pray while I'm out playing golf and stuff like that. Well, the Bible says we should pray at all times, pray without ceasing. And, and Jesus uh, prayed along the way, as we see, but there was also these times that he took to be alone, to be away. And it should be a regular practice to pray. Ask so that we might receive. The book of James says we don't receive because we don't ask. We don't take the time to pray and to persist and to continue in prayer. Some people will say, well, I prayed about that once and that's enough. No, continue to pray about it. Continue to bring that petition like the persistent widow kept on coming to that judge. He kept on coming, kept on coming about the same thing over and over again. Avenge me of my adversary. She kept on coming to him for the same thing. So why would they keep on coming to him? Is he hard of hearing? Does God forget? No, of course not. None of those things. It's just his way. To actually continue to exercise our faith. To continue without fainting, without giving up. And to continue to bring our petitions to him. The next one is in Matthew 19. Matthew 19, verse 13. Mm, Matthew 19, 13. Then the little children were brought to him, that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them, and then departed from there. And you know, <clears throat> the disciples represent human nature. <laughs> you know, because sometimes... We look at children or some people that may not be as high in rank or high in society and look at them as less. And Jesus had these, these women came, they wanted their children to be blessed by Jesus. And 
the disciples tried to stop it, and Jesus rebuked them. And they came, and he prayed for them, and then he left. You know, sometimes, you know, th that actually happens where people or will bring somebody to be prayed over or something like that, but sometimes God just sends people our way. Whether it's children or adults, there's people in need. And we see the example of Jesus, how he prayed for them. You know, and sometimes people don't even ask to be prayed for, but we see the need. And so we see that just as the day goes along, that God brings forth opportunities to pray for people. Either praying over them or we see somebody with a need. And maybe we don't get a chance to lay hands on them or even tell them we're praying for them. But God wants us to pray for them. And that's things that the Holy Spirit shows us. So the next one would be in Matthew 26. One of the famous times of Jesus praying. And that's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 36. <clears throat> and then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with them. Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. The other account that says, Watch and pray. And he went a little further. And fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, it is possible, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away, away, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. And he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping? Behold, the hour is at hand that the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And of course, Jesus was arrested right after that. And in this we see that Jesus was deeply troubled. In another gospel, it says that he sweat so heavily, it was like, like drops of blood. His sweat was coming out so heavily. You know, it was like somebody bleeding. There was big drops of sweat like blood, it said. And so... And it said also an angel came and ministered to him at that time. But you see that this was a time of great struggle. 
And it is also a message to us. Jesus knew it was coming. He was about to be beaten and and and, and crucified and mocked and crucified and killed. And he, but he was ready for it. At the, by the time they arrested him, he was ready. His disciples were not. They were sleeping. They were sleeping in the face of adversity or the coming adversity. They weren't Jesus. You know, the voice of the Lord was saying, "Watch and pray," and they were like. They didn't take it seriously. They weren't ready for what was coming. And they they all you know, ran and uh, abandoned Jesus. Peter denied Jesus three times, just like Jesus said. The words of Jesus, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. What do we do when we feel trouble like this? Again, the answer is Jesus. Fell, fell down in his face before the Father. We see what to do when we're distressed. We don't start hitting panic buttons. Stop and pray. Don't do something rash. Don't, do, don't start you know, doing desperate things. Watch and pray lest we fall into temptation is the words of Jesus. And he said, not as I will, but your will be done. He was at peace. He, he came to peace with that, even though he knew, like I said, he knew what was coming. He, he told his disciples several times what was coming. He knew what was about to happen. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So they give in to the, to the flesh. And they weren't watchful in prayer. That's a common struggle. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1 is the next one. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, and verse 35. Now, again, we're not going to read what was before that, but you see that before that, in this passage, Jesus was serving, and it says in verse 34, he was healing the sick, and he was casting out demons. But in verse 35, after all that serving, now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed into a solitary place, or deserted place, and there he prayed. A long, <laughs> a long while before daylight, he got up before dawn to pray. Now I'm not saying that everybody's got to get, this is not a law or a rule, but it's an observation that Jesus was sacrificial. I think we'd all like to sleep in late all the time and you know, a lot of other things that we would like to do in our human nature and our flesh. But, so well, why did he have to get up so early, you know? What, what was it that was so important that he had to get up before dawn to do that? Well, as we all know, we all have long days ahead of us and busy, busy, busy days. And running here and running there, especially now in the world we live in today and the society we're in, everything is rush and run and you know, someone's texting us, someone's on a cell phone, someone's here, there, and everywhere. 
all this stuff going on. And so, Jesus had a busy life too. And he was busy the night before and the day before. It's not like he kind of like, you know, we think of monks in a monastery, you know, and stuff like that. Jesus was not a monk in a monastery. He was not, he didn't live in some place by himself and just took care of him himself and just, you know, that kind of thing and just had all day and night and did nothing but pray all the time and all that other stuff and read and pray. That's not, that was not his life. Prayer life was part of his life, but he had a very busy life. <laughs> um, so he had a busy life but he took time to the point where he got up before it says long before daylight it says having risen a long while before daylight and again like I said this is not put in here as a law or a rule but as an observation for us, something for us to see the life of Jesus and to see how he lived. And we pattern our life after his. Now that may not be a practical thing for some, we might say, but you know, it is important to understand that he did that sacrificially. That there was more important things for him to do than to sleep in until daylight. Till the, till the rooster crowed. <clears throat> and it says in verse 36, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. You see, if he hadn't gone away like that, into a deserted place, into a hidden place, <laughs> he would have been put to work again. You know, people would have been, you know, minister to me, you know, help me, do this for me, teach me, you know, heal me, you know. So you see that there's a time for everything, and Jesus made time to be alone. Now, some if people say, well, justify this business. Well, oh, there's so many people that need me and everything. I remember reading a book a preacher wrote, and he said that, that in this minister's conference, that they were confessing, ministers of the Word of God, pastors were confessing that they didn't have time to pray because some, there was pe- from the time they got up in the morning, there's people at them constantly. Jesus was no different. And so, because he knew that, he arranged his life in such a way that he would still be able to have that alone time with the Father. And if the Son of God needs that, for Pete's sake, we need it too. So, and we have to, you know, make portions for that in our life. So the next one we will see is in Luke chapter 3. And I won't go to that one, but it says that when Jesus came to be baptized by John the Baptist, that he was praying. We just thought that's worth noting. Not really, don't really have anything to comment on that. Other than, you know, 
Jesus coming to be baptized, and he was praying to the Father at that time. And then, as he was praying, it says that he was baptized, and then the Holy Spirit came like upon him like a dove. And so, I think of in Ephesians chapter 6, where or chapter 5, where it says uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and, in, and not to be filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus saying in this chapter 11 which we uh, of Luke, where we had referred to earlier, at the end of that chapter it says, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So Jesus is praying, and as He's praying and He's baptized in water, He comes up out of the water and says the Holy Spirit comes upon Him. Something, like I said, just worthy of observation. Uh, the next one is in Luke 5, and I'll go to look at that one, Luke 5. Luke 5, uh, verses 15 and 16. <clears throat> However, the report went out concern around him, concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. And again, emphasizing what I mentioned earlier. If you just put yourself in Jesus' shoes for a minute. Just say that you had that God had given you the ability to heal people and cast out demons. You could go into a mental hospital, and I know my experience, and Kate and I's experience as volunteers in a mental hospital, you see a lot of people in there that have demonic spirits, they, they, the way they talk, and, 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 the, and the strangeness, and some of the things they say. And you can, you can sense and perceive it, uh, that many of, the, many of the people that we came to, uh, in contact with not all of them, but many of them seem to be demonic in nature. We prayed over some of them that asked us to pray for them to be delivered and everything. So, uh, do you imagine if you could put yourself in Jesus' shoes, you start doing this stuff, they are just going to draw to you. And so... Is there anyone that could ever have a busier life than somebody who has this kind of ability? And preaches this way. The soldiers that came to arrest Jesus, they went to have act to the priest. And the priest said, why didn't you arrest him? They said, I, we never heard anybody speak like this. They didn't, go, they didn't go there to hear him preach. They went there to arrest him. And they went away impressed with what he was saying. They were astonished when they heard him preaching. And they couldn't do it. They're commanded to do it, and they wouldn't do it. Because they were so astonished with what he was preaching. So, the kind of preaching where it moves the crowd that way, moves people like that, and, and you know, and healing, and of all kinds of infirmities, and casting out demons, you are going to be a most popular person, and no one could be more busy than that. And so, Jesus 
Son of God had to find ways to get away from that. Wasn't that he was being mean, but he recognized that there's a time and place for everything. Like it says in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a time for everything under the sun. There's a time to speak, there's a time to refrain from speaking. This goes on, all these things. So, there's a time for everything for us too. And we can convince ourselves that we just have to keep on this on this locomotive of just go, 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 go. And never stopping to be alone with the Lord like Jesus. But again, the Bible teaches us in 1 Peter chapter 3, that we should follow in Jesus' footsteps. And in 1 John it says that if we abide in Him, that we should live as Jesus lived. And so this is an aspect, an aspect, I'm sorry, of Jesus' life that we need to take heed to and, to and to pattern our life after. The details may not be perfectly exactly the same, but to be able to glean something from these details of Jesus' life. Um, so he did it often. And here's another one, Luke 6, the next chapter. Verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days... And he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve whom he named apostles. Say, so, well, why in the world did he do that all night? Why didn't he do that to the, during the day and pray, all, and, and pray all day and the night? I don't know, but... And I'm not saying we should pray all night, I mean, because Jesus prayed all night. But you just see that there were... It doesn't mention this all the time, that Jesus prayed all night. This is the only time it ever mentions that he prayed all night in this particular thing. But you see that a night is usually half of the day. <laughs> so I know that it's important for us have those special times to take longer than normal to pray. I know I have vacation time. Sometimes I take vacation time. Just have some fasting and prayer days. Just spend a day in prayer and seeking God, having time to worship and to sing some hymns alone with Him and to, and to uh, have, have some, uh, some special you know, fellowship time with Him and, uh, and to seek God on different issues. It's really, it's really a good thing to have those special times. This isn't something we can do every day, but there are those special times. At least not most of us can't do that every day. Um, it says that he was about to choose his 12, the 12 apostles out of his disciples. This is a special thing that was, he had to do. So he's the son of God. Why don't he just go out and pick 12 people and everything? And the 12 guys out of the, out of the disciples. You see, even the son of God didn't do things off the top of his head. Even though he was the son of God. 
when there is decisions to be made, he sought the Father. And boy, if he needs to do that, so do we. Then we're not going to be picking 12 apostles. That was a special thing Jesus did. But again, it sets an example, once again, his example that he sets to us. And that's what's important in this, in this message. The example of the life of Jesus and the different details of it. Uh, in Luke chapter 9, it says he was alone praying. In Luke, that was 9.18. And in Luke 9.28, it says that he took Peter, James, and John into a mountain to pray. And that was when he was transfigured and he glowed and while he was praying, it says he was transfigured. He began his, his garments began to glow and the Father's voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him, said to, uh, to Peter, James, and John. He took those with him and went up with them to pray. And what he was about to do was about to happen after that he wanted his his three uh three of his apostles to see that why not all of them we don't know but you see when he went up there he's still praying he went up there and took them up there to pray and then after he was praying then that happened everything that happened after that what we understand from the what we're reading is that not only jesus saw the need to pray but you see that jesus was prepared for every situation you don't see him ever getting take, taken by surprise and, you know, and do anything rash or irrational. He's ready for everything. And there's something to be said for that in our lives. You know? Because I'll be honest with you, there's times that ha things happen I'm not ready for. I, I guess we all feel that way. If you're like me, you feel that way. But... That's why we have to continue to grow and to be more prepared. And I can say this, that I'm much more, I'm much more prepared for, for many more of these things now than I was when I was a young Christian. In the early days of my, of my Christian life. But as, as our... Our good brother once said, the biggest room in the house is the room for improvement, so we're still growing. Mm. The next one I want to read is in Luke 22. Luke 22, beginning in verse 31. <clears throat> and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have re been converted or have returned, 
to me, strengthen your brethren. And this is, of course, before Peter denied Jesus three times and everything that happened after that. And so he says, when you're converted, Jesus and the apostles later on, you could see they had a tremendous ministry in prayer and intercession for others. And I can tell you this, when we pray for others, I would say that for the most part, there's not going to be any credit or, or any uh, pat on the back in this life, so to speak, for the things that we pray for others for. You know, it's an unheralded ministry. You know, there are many ministries that people are visible and people take note of and people get more credit for it. But the ministry of intercession for others isn't like that. Especially in that alone time. There's no credit among men for that. In the church for that. But there is a reward for it. Both in this life and having our prayers answered. You know. Yeah, we could shout, hey, I prayed for that guy. Now look at, you know. But again, uh, that's where humility needs to come in and, and we just give the glory to God. And that the, the credit and the reward for that ministry, besides the fact that our prayers are being answered, is when we go to be with the Lord. There's many, there's many things that will be rewarded. For. We pray for these things in secret. But the day is coming that will be rewarded openly for it. Not just be rewarded in answers to prayer for others and the satisfaction of seeing God answer our prayers for others uh, as an expression of love for others, our brothers and sisters, uh, the people that God brings into our life, but also because God is going to reward us for our faithfulness uh, in the ministry, in this unheralded, but extremely important ministry a ministry that paul always spoke of the other apostles spoke of praying for one another you know and and jesus did it too we're not going to read it but read when you get a chance the gospel of john chapter 17 jesus prayer for his disciples he's about to be crucified he's not praying for himself he's he's, he's not praying eventually he does it gets seventy before it's about to happen but even though he knows what's coming, he's thinking of others, even as he's on his way to Calvary. Women of Jerusalem, pray not for me. No, uh, weep not for me, I'm sorry. Weep not for me, but for yourselves and for your children. You know? <clears throat> thinking about others, even on his way to the cross. The love of Jesus. So, just reminding us again of a couple things that I mentioned that Jesus and the Apostles said. It says that we are the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not be in darkness, but have the light of life. And again, think about all the things that it means in following Jesus. This is part of what we've been talking about and reading about today. 
is part of following Jesus, an important part. Um, it says in 1 John chapter 2 that those who say they know him should walk as he walked. In 1 Peter it says we should follow in his footsteps. Jesus left us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. Again, think about it. And again, Jesus says when you pray, go, go into your secret place. And God who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Jesus went to pray and fast for 40 years in the uh, 40 days in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights fasting and prayer. Right after he was baptized, Holy Spirit sent him into the wilderness. He went through the temptation. He was ready for it all. That's ready. <coughs> he was always ready for what was coming. And so, how do we go about doing that? What is how do we reorganize and rededicate and everything else we have to do in our life? Well, that's one of the things that we have to seek God about and pray about. So, so that, that's what I have today to share. Uh, Brother Dan, I'm going to...